This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. I would really, really appreciate it. Ah, with that, though, buddy, how are you? I'm good. It's been a good offseason. Been a fun, very interesting offseason. Absolutely. We've been off since just after the Super Bowl, and oh boy, did I get that right. Uh, For the last year and a half, I kept telling you all that this would be the craziest offseason in league history. Yeah, I I remember you mentioning it maybe once. Maybe once. Maybe once? Come on. (laughs) I think I opened the show with that how many times? You, sir, were correct. It's been a very, very interesting, it's almost NBA-like offseason that the NFL has had. You know, some people have their drugs, their heroin, their cocaines. My drug is being right. I love it. I <laughs> yeah, just, Lord, I, I soak yeah. it in. Anyone that knows you well enough knows that's fucking true. <laughs> so let's start to break down all the stuff that's happened so far. I don't think we're in any capacity done with craziness happening this offseason. We're a couple of weeks out yet from the draft. So let's start with the all-important quarterback position and let everything fall past that. So let's just start, I think, right about when we ended. We talked about Tom Brady retiring. That is not the case any longer. Yeah. Did either of us think that he was going to come back? I I don't remember, man. I really, I don't. It wouldn't have surprised me if it would have said something like, like, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. But I don't know. It's very interesting hearing about the dynamic that him and the coach had. And now he moves upstairs now that Tom is back. Like, it's very, very interesting. I wonder how many years Tom Brady really does have left in him. You think if he's coming back, it's going to be for more than just one year. You think you don't call off a retirement for just one year. So more Tom Brady. Yeah, it's going to be fun. He had arguably his best season at 44. We talked about it all year. He led the league, I think, in both passing touchdowns and passing yards. And the offense doesn't seem like it's going to change at all because the play caller was Byron Leftwich. And I think he's still the offensive coordinator and play caller as far as I know, with the fact that you throw in, with the exception being Antonio Brown is clearly way somewhere else. I think he's on Mars at this point. Um (laughs) And Chris Godwin's probably going to be out for most of the year. Ronald Jones is in Kansas City, which we'll get to later. For the most part, I think they have pretty much everybody back. I mean, Mike Evans is going to be there. Leonard Fournette, another guy we're going to get to, is there. Oh, excuse me. I forgot that uh, Rob Gronkowski is still contemplating whether to come back or not, but he says it's only going to be Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, I can see Rob coming back for one more year, but I can also just see him being like, nah, I'm kind of good with this, like, It's very interesting to see. And I would really like to know more about, you know, what honestly went on. But 
this is a dude that is just so damn competitive, right? And if, especially him having one of his better years at the age, especially with the NFL only going to be catering to the quarterback more and more, it's probably the safest position to play for sure and uh, the team. So you can go a little bit, especially now, you know, they can't go at your legs like that. And so I feel like he could be around for, for a couple more years, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they build the team around him, especially with, you know, Chris Godwin being out for probably a good part of, good part of the year, if not all the year with him not being a hundred percent, but the Buccaneers draft is going to be a very interesting one. Yeah, I do think that they have a possibility of going after some talented playmakers, if not only from a wide receiver perspective, even though they still have Scotty Miller and I think Jalen Darden. And I think they have, um, oh, who was the kid that they drafted two years ago out of Vanderbilt uh, as a running back? It, It completely escapes me. But anyway, they still have another young running back. It still would not shock me for them to go for a tight end, a wide receiver, a running back, just to get Tom extra quote-unquote weapons, a vocabulary word I wish we would stop using about people. But, <laughs> oh, you haven't seen the half of it. Every time no, I cry I'm out good. on let's, ESPN. Let's just keep it <laughs> But anyway, I, I would not be shocked if they did a couple of interesting moves, drafted a wide receiver or two in this draft coming up here in a couple of weeks, really to supplement, again, Give Tom whatever he wants. He's got a blank check in Tampa. And as long as he's there, they're going to be a title contender, especially in a severely weakened NFC. So one of the other big stories we had when we left was, what is Aaron Rodgers going to do? At this point, we know he's coming back for a year, I think, 18 with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, he's coming back, and he knew his top receiver wasn't going to be back, and he's still and he's still back here, so... Um, it's been a very wild roller coaster type of a ride um, being a Packer fan these last um, this last year for sure, right? Around this time, it's almost exactly going to be a year. It'll be interesting to see how they go through this draft as well. You know, I see a lot of mock drafts with a lot of wide receivers going, but I know Jamar Chase, I know Justin Jefferson, I know those guys did it very well from the very first snap that they played in the NFL, but that's not normal. You know, doing that is not normal, especially with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Like it takes a lot to earn his trust. There's, if there's one thing that really irks me about Aaron Rodgers, it's just he's, his trust in his teammates is not all that he types it up to be, you know, when he's talking to the media and stuff like that, if you watch him every single snap. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of up and down, this offseason with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. That's the one major difference having lived through both the Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers eras that Brett was willing to throw it to whichever guy was open or whichever guy had the glimmer of being open and Aaron (laughs) will hold on to the ball forever (laughs) because even if the guy is open, if you don't think he's going to catch the ball, he is not going to throw it. Yeah. It's super frustrating to watch like the last play, for example, against who did we lose to the 49ers, you know, the all 22 uh, that let, yeah. Watching the all 22 view of that play just really, really pisses me off. Yeah. Because Lazard could have scored on that one. Oh my God. But this was, this was how he played too. In the last couple of years of the McCarthy era too. Like 
He just held on to the ball way too long. Did refuse to hit checkdowns, and I, 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 I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the Matt Lafleur offense how it really shapes the way he uses these rookie wide receivers this year because I think they're going to grab a couple. So they have now with the trade that we're going to talk about here in a little bit four picks inside the top 59 of the draft. Would you be shocked if they don't take at least one pass catcher in those four? Oh my God, dude, I'm going to, I will flip out. I swear to God, I will flip out. If you are, they going to have to grease the light poles around your house. They do not use those fucking picks on a wide receiver or to trade for a wide receiver. I am going to flip my shit. (laughs) Now, again, I use the word pass catcher. I did not say wide receiver intentional. Dude, no, it needs to be a wide receiver. It doesn't need to be a fucking tight end. We don't, we know Aaron Rodgers doesn't really use tight ends all that much anyway. Yes, but tight end is such a loose definition anymore. I mean, think about Kyle Kyle Pitts. Pitts, Mike Gusecki was in the third round. There are no Kyle Pitts in this draft. There are none. I, I, Beg to differ, and we'll get to that eventually in our pre-draft show. I actually think Jesus this is Christ. one of the deepest uh, tight end classes that we've had in quite a while. But that's that there is no the Kyle Pitts, though. Well, no, because Kyle Pitts was a once-in-a-generation prospect. Okay, that's what I'm saying, though. That's what I'm saying. Okay, But, but I'm not Kyle saying Pitts that there are plenty of him. other guys. But David Njoku is basically <laughs> at this point a wide go. receiver. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. No, I'll, I'm saying this. What what I'm saying is you need to get a wide receiver. You have to get a wide receiver. Your top wide receivers are Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. Really? You're not going to trade for one? If they're going to use it to trade for like a DK Metcalf or something like that, great. If they want to sign even like Julio or AJ Green to like a little project, Great, but even with those two people, I still want to draft a fucking wide receiver. Okay, don't get me wrong. I personally think that there are plenty of wide receivers you could take and that they would be effective. The problem is is that you have Aaron Rodgers coming back to maximize his Super Bowl window right now. You've got a championship-level defense that you kept mostly intact and health-permitting should be a fairly top 10-faring unit you're going to have most of your offensive line back, save for Elton Jenkins, that you're hoping at some point you might get back, maybe sooner than the whole Bakhtiari thing, but you're going to get your left tackle back. And they do have some questions on the edge as well as on their right tackle. But obviously the number one thing for the Green Bay Packers, having been a fan, listened to all of the blogs since Devontae Adams got traded was we need a wide receiver. You're going to have to pick at least one, if not like three with those top four picks. So I'm just saying I'm not advocating for it. Personally, there are several wide receivers I'd be very comfortable with, and I'd be shocked if they don't use it on one wide receiver in those top four. But I'm just also preparing myself for the possibility that this is still the Green Bay Packers and their drafts several times over the last 10 years have not made sense to me. I can respect that. Let's go through the hypothetical because we can almost assume that they're going to take one wide receiver. This is a dynasty fantasy football show with Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb likely being your top two wide receivers, at least at the moment, unless they sign somebody, get a bargain basement deal, something, you know, Will Fuller all of a sudden parks his car in green Bay. 
What do you think the potential for a rookie wide receiver drafted in the first or second round for Green Bay is going to be? And how high would you be potentially targeting somebody in a rookie draft? Because they're likely to get more targets than the average rookie. Obviously, you want opportunity. Opportunity is probably first and foremost what you're looking for. But you also got to go by talent. You know, we had this conversation in, in our group chat just the last week. I drafted Jalen Rager over a lot of very good <laughs> wide receivers because of opportunity. There was nobody else there um, instead of going for talent. So I feel like the biggest key is trying to find the balance in both of that. And we all have terrible draft stories that we can all talk about. But for me, I guess that type of rookie wide receiver, I think they're going to be better towards the end of the year than they are going to be at the beginning of the year, obviously, because you're going to have to work for that trust, but anywhere between, I don't know, 40 and 50 catches and 400 to 600 yards and a couple of touchdowns, I feel like is what you can expect two to four touchdowns. I think that's reasonable given how Aaron Rodgers has treated rookie wide receivers before. I mean, we don't have to go back too very far to look at the early days or the first three years for that matter of Devonte Adams before they really clicked or Marquez Veldez Scantling's first season was kind of off the rails at times and he was running odd routes. And again, that was the end of the McCarthy era. So we could maybe blame it on some of that and the dysfunction that was around the team at the time, but he just has not had a very good track record with rookie wide receivers, save for, I think maybe Randall Cobb had a good year, his second year. I mean, Devontae flashed in his rookie season at the end, really into the playoffs that year, but he fell off a plateau in the next two years after that, particularly the next year when uh, he was supposed to be the number one wide receiver after Jordy Nelson got hurt and he just was injured all the time. So I don't know. I think that the expectations are probably never going to meet what the opportunity is likely to be. You'd think pairing up any run-of-the-mill talented wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers would automatically produce fantasy gold. I think the the opportunity is what's going to happen year two, year three, more than it is in year one. So if you're looking at a redraft situation, I'm probably not taking anybody that they draft in the first or second round before maybe the 10th round in a redraft situation because I just don't like what the prospects are likely to be. But We've seen exceptions all over the place in the last couple of years, and guys are coming in much more pro-ready than they ever have. It's just the pairing between them and Aaron Rodgers and this complicated system often does not mean successful results. So especially in a homer league like ours, I would expect whomever we pick, let's say it's a Traylon Burks or Chris Olave, if one of those two gets picked at 22, that person is probably going to go second overall in our draft, and I'm going to laugh. I, man, I hope not second overall, <laughs> but probably not. Cause I know who has the second pick and I don't think they're going to do that, but maybe third to Ed. <laughs> he tends to draft wide receivers in the first round. All right. So let's move to the next quarterback down this list and we have to do it. We have to discuss Deshaun Watson again. Uh, how many minutes did it take from him basically being not acquitted but not brought up on charges by the DA in Houston to when NFL teams started calling the Texans, do you think? Over <laughs> under five minutes? I would say under. Most definitely under. God, I mean, the way some of these NFL teams just groveled at the throne. I know he is an exceptional player, 
but it it does feel gross. Um, and the amount of money he got, guaranteed, guaranteed. money. He got fully guaranteed, guaranteed. guaranteed money, guaranteed. And that was the part that pissed off the other owners was is he got a fully guaranteed contract. You saw guaranteed. what was it, Steve Bashotti of the Ravens, basically bitching because now he's going to have to give that to Lamar. <laughs> Dude, take care of your business before the quarterback market gets set. Guaranteed. Man, I don't know. For a franchise that has been just crying for a winner forever, and I was so sad that they had to have Baker Mayfield last year in the absolute dumpster fire that was his season, but you've got to feel so conflicted if you're a Browns fan about Deshaun Watson coming there. Yeah, I mean, on one side, you've never had a quarterback, right? <laughs> Bernie Kosar and, uh, is your best example since Otto Graham. And on the flip side, you got this disgusting mother <laughs> that is now your quarterback. I mean, I hope you can separate and compartmentalize and just enjoy the winning because it's likely to happen. I mean, he's still talented and yes, he took a year off of football, but boy, I don't know. It, he's still got something inside of him. You know, he's going to be talented and on the field. I guess there are a couple of remaining questions to this whole situation. One, is he going to be suspended? Two, if so, how long? Three, how does it affect everybody else on that team? I mean, Jarvis Landry is gone. Richard Higgins is gone. Austin Hooper is gone. They uh, placed the franchise tag on David Njoku. They still have Nick Chubb. They still have Kareem Hunt. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. So... And for that matter, another guy we're, we're going to talk to in a little or talk about in here in a little bit, they've got Amari Cooper now. Like, how is the ceiling on fantasy football with the Browns? Are you picking somebody other than Nick Chubb to actually be productive in this offense? I mean, I might take a flyer on Njoku. I feel like he will probably be a pretty decent part of the offense. But, you know, we've been talking about him since since he came out. You know, he's supposed to be Kyle Pitts before Kyle Pitts. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about their business. But the answer to your question, for sure, he's going to be suspended. How long? I'm going to go anywhere from like six to maybe eight games. So I think it'll be a decent chunk. And you can't start Baker for those games either. And Baker's never going to play another game for the Browns. So I'm not sure that's true yet. Dude, he's not going to suit up for them. I don't think he suits up for them. The The rules are pretty strict on holdouts, and he's got almost no leverage if he's still on the team. I mean, this is not the NBA. I don't know. I don't think he sits out. Or I, I think he does sit out. I don't think he plays another game. I would tend to agree based on how bad that breakup's been so far, but we haven't seen the full divorce. Right now we have a trial separation. <laughs> Um, that's just how I feel. So here's the question for you. When Deshaun Watson is the starting quarterback of the Browns, because it's going to happen sooner rather than later, does this change which of the two backs out of this premium backfield you prefer? Because for me, it does. You think Kareem Hunt becomes more valuable than Nick Chubb? Kareem Hunt is an exceptional receiver as a running back. We've seen that before. And if he can stay healthy and on the field, I think he offers more premium value just due to the PPR format than Nick Chubb does, who almost never catches passes. 
And while Nick Chubb is still going to get a lot of run, the more valuable guy in that or potential backfield, because I do think that they're going to throw the football more than they have in the past because it's Deshaun Watson and you don't give him all that guaranteed money for him to hand the ball off. It means that you're going to have the better pass catcher on the field in better situations more often than the guy who's going to be maybe your goal lineback. I just think Nick Chubb is too good to just be referred to as a goal lineback. I think so too, but Think about about how he's used. I mean, he's kind of like a more physical and between the tackles runner than Adrian Peterson, but I think that's the best comp. Peterson was never a great receiving back, but he made a lot of money in between the tackles. And I think Nick Chubb kind of does that, but he's not the all-around back that you need in a modern NFL sense. The Christian McCaffrey, the Delvin Cook types that catch a lot of passes and do a lot of other things out of the backfield. Anything else you want to say on the Browns before we move on? Not really. I mean, I understand um, where you're coming from. And I, I, I just have a hard time seeing the split being different. I guess that's what I'm trying to rationalize in my head, just because there's a different quarterback. I'm not saying Nick Chubb's not going to be used at all. I'm just going to say if you're asking me to choose between the two as far as value, especially because I think most people will assume Kareem Hunt is going to be drafted well behind Nick Chubb. I'd much rather have, depending on how long the suspension is going to be, a guy who's going to catch more passes than the guy who's not. Okay. Well, good for you. You do. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so then let's move on to Russell Wilson, the other big move of the offseason. He gets traded to Denver for a bunch of picks. And I think in return, Denver also gives up Drew Locke and Noah Fant who goes the other way. He comes into an offense that has drafted premium playmakers at just about every position in the offense. Although without Noah Fant, now they don't really have that at tight end, but you think KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and for that matter, Jerry Judy, and you've still got Javante Williams in that backfield. He comes into a team tailor made on offense right now to really give him the type of weapons, quote unquote, that he probably has always wanted to allow Russ to cook finally. Yeah, this is probably the best set of weapons that Russell Wilson has ever had from top to bottom. Yeah, certainly they're higher paid guys than Doug Baldwin. Yeah, but Doug Baldwin was pretty damn good in his own right. I think Russell Wilson made a lot out of Doug Baldwin because Doug Baldwin was kind of just, I think he was traded for like a sixth round pick when they got him. Doug Baldwin, Baldwin had very nice feet. He was and, a very good wide receiver. I mean, look at Golden Tate after he left. He was okay with the Lions, but he was never quite the same explosive guy when he was with Russell Wilson. Now, mind you, I think that that was aided a lot by Russ's mobility that didn't seem to be there last year. But how do you see this Broncos offense fantasy-wise moving forward right now? And who does it really raise the bar on as far as prospects you're looking at? Does it raise everybody or is it just maybe one or two? I think with quarterback play, I think it raises everybody. I mean, I would be up on Cortland Sutton. You got to be happier as a Jerry Judy owner too, because now you're finally going to see, okay, is it quarterback play or did I really make a terrible draft decision? I know I was on record saying Jerry Judy was probably the best route runner in that class. And he still is very, very good as a route runner. So now him having a quarterback, we're going to really see what he 
truly is at this next level. Um, I, I do think it does help everybody. And they keep talking too about Albert O about how he's going to be the next big tight end too. So that's yet to be seen, but I, I do think it helps everybody. So I have two other follow-up questions. One, and I'll do this and it's always unfair, but I make you answer anyway. <sighs> if you'd rather have Judy or Sutton for the next five years, who do you take? Man, you know, I hate these. I told you. I, I guess I will take Jerry Judy just because of the route running. I can't even say because of like injury history either, because he deals with his fair share injuries, just like Cortland Sutton does. But yeah, I guess I'm going to take Judy, but I don't feel great about it. It's about 51% to 49%. And I agree. It's probably pretty close. I would also take Judy in this hypothetical situation, just from the standpoint that I think Sutton's biggest asset is going to be him in the red zone. He's a great red zone receiver. And so if he converts a lot of those for touchdowns, he's going to be an exciting prospect, but I just think that the target rate and the consistency is going to be better for Judy as a result of that target rate, because he's playing more out of the slot. And we've seen for a while that he targets Tyler Lockett or Doug Baldwin operating in more of those underneath coverages a lot more than he's going to take the big shot to DK Metcalf all the time. And so as a result, if you're asking me to split hairs, I'd probably take Judy just because I think he's going to get the ball a little bit more often than Sutton. And I can't necessarily always count on touchdown rate because it's so uh, much of a roller coaster for most wide receivers. The other one for me is we look at Javante Williams and everybody was really high on him coming into this year to begin with. And they thought, okay, Aaron Rodgers is going to be potentially coming into this offense. What is it going to be like when he has a quarterback and they can't stuff the box on Javante Williams? Throw in the fact that he's one of the better pass-catching running backs that we probably have. Would you say this guy going into redraft is already a top-five back for you for next season? Yeah. Yes, a million times yes. And Melvin Gordon isn't there either. So, yes. So I'll just do it from a redraft because I think Dynasty, this is a much easier exercise. How many backs are you taking ahead of Javante Williams if you have, let's say, the number one pick going into next year? Not very many. I'd say... um, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor would be up there. Najee Harris would be up there. Najee Um, Harris is not above him for me. Just because of the quarterback uh, and the offense. Well, yeah, situation. I guess the quarterback situation now is kind of okay. So that makes sense. Um, I think I'm going to put Austin Eckler up there. I would um, probably agree. The Chargers offense is still going to be lethal and he's going to get a lot of checkdowns. I'm splitting here's a little bit with Najee. I just, I think they're going to be able to bring a lot of eight man boxes to Pittsburgh right now without Ben, even though they kind of already were doing that last year and he still got production. But unless you're counting on him to catch a supreme level of dump-off passes from some backup quarterback or a rookie quarterback that's pretty much coming in and learning on the fly, I just don't think he can finish above what the ceiling potential is for Javante Williams for me right now. DeAndre Swift, I'll throw in there. I could buy it. I don't know if I would necessarily have him just because I like this offense a little bit better. All right. That's about it. So not Delvin Cook, not Christian McCaffrey. No, I'm trying to think who else we might even bother to try and throw in there. Definitely not Mixon. Mixon. Mixon might be a, a name to throw in there, but I don't think I'd rather have 
I think Mixon might end up being overdrafted because I think that Cincinnati is probably going to revert a little bit to the mean in a tougher AFC this next year than likely what people are going to draft them as thinking, oh, this team just went to the Super Bowl. They're the next it team. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that was what, three guys that you might pick ahead of him? And even then we were splitting hairs. He might be the number two or the number three guy taken in a redraft right now. I mean, that's yeah. a statement saying for a guy who split half of his carries almost exactly down the middle with Melvin Gordon last year. Yeah, I know I made um, in our dynasty league, I know I made some pretty, some pretty crazy trade offers. Like you wouldn't believe. And he, he stood pretty. Oh, I would. It's you, no. my friend. Dude, <laughs> there were. There were some names. There were a couple of firsts. Nothing. Not a thing. Yeah, but you've already said that the person who owns him is the least likely trader in our particular league, and he always thinks he's that just, you're trying to cheat it. He's, I think he's if I probably made stage. some of the same offers <laughs> that you have, he might be more willing to at least listen and counter as opposed to you. That's the thing. Like, there is no like counter anymore. Like, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. Yeah, he's in that stage. You know, still new in the dynasty thing. So, you just you just play your cards a little closer to the vest. Those people do. It's they haven't made watch. enough mistakes yet to yep. be a little bit more willing to put into the kitty. Yeah, it it'll come. It'll come with time. It's only year two for him. They're not as seasoned as you and I that have made our, our epic <laughs> We've been mistakes. hurt. We've been hurt. <laughs> We've been hurt so badly before that it just doesn't even matter anymore. We wear our hurt. scars on the outside. It's just now for me, it's just swinging and miss time. You know, swing, you hit a couple. Maybe I'll swing and miss on a couple. All right. So then let's move now to the next guy on the list. As a result of the Russell Wilson trade, the most likely starter for Seattle is Drew Locke. Are you drafting DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett this year? No, and not right now. But, you know, I feel like Seattle will probably end up flirting with a quarterback, but I don't really enjoy this quarterback class this year. I don't think anybody I, does. Yeah, I, I just – so for me, even as like a dynasty type of person too, like he's not really young anymore. Well, he's 29 years old, so I kind of feel like the tires have pretty much been kicked on on Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf? I mean, DK there's a Metcalf possibility he ends up Dynasty. getting traded somewhere, but apparently right. the going rate for him at the moment from John Schneider of the, the Seahawks is two first-round picks. I don't think anybody's dumb enough to trade two first-round picks for DK Metcalf right now. Yeah, most definitely no, but... In Dynasty, if I'm a Dynasty owner, I would be trading for for DK Metcalf. I would try to get as much DK Metcalf if I, as I could. Because you know they're not going to have that type of player, especially that's due to get paid. And they're not going to keep a terrible him in a terrible situation. Well, I know that I'm not keeping gross secrets on this one, but as you are probably aware, DK is available by the owner that uh, currently has it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Obviously the asking price is enough. still a little rich for where he is at the moment, but his ceiling is still there. It just depends on where you want to maximize his value. I mean, is it crazy to think that we've already seen the peak value of DK Metcalf? In real life? Yes. I know he's young, but can you imagine him having another 
top five half a season like he did, especially if he doesn't leave Seattle? You know, it's it's the ever the ever ending the never ending battle between yourself of what you think a player can be in your head and what it is realistically going to be. Do I think that DK Metcalf? Yeah, absolutely. But I think part of that is because I want him to. You know, I think he's a very interesting specimen at the wide receiver position. But yeah, you might be right. And do you think he can ever get back to that? Is is the question. And you got to be, especially if it sounds like Dana wants as much as he does for that, you got to be sure that he can get back to that. But like I said, also said, I don't think they're going to keep him in a terrible situation either, especially when he's about to get paid. Okay. If let's say hypothetically, again, if you're DK, do you stay in what that offense is, especially if they're going to be run first? No, no. I mean, he's, this will be his what fourth year in the league, so he'll be a free agent after the year. Right. You leave. Yeah, no? I mean, we've told guys to do that before, but when that paper's waved in front of you, it's hard to turn that down. Especially with, you know, it being a violent sport and whatnot. Boy, I mean, I mean, Devontae just did it, but especially with the franchise tag, whew. <laughs> they're getting more power. You know, the players are getting more power. Like, I feel like Devontae just exhibited that power. Okay, certain players are getting more power. Let's not, like, no. make this a universal thing. There are no, very few guys that it's could not. really demand and do what but it's, the quarterbacks it's are doing, really. It's changing is what I'm trying to say. Do I think it's going to be enough for DK? I don't know. But do you really want that type of a situation boiling? if he's unhappy and he's not refusing to play under the franchise tag, and then you're just going to find him, find him, find him. And then he comes back. He's disgruntled and pissed off. Well, theoretically you you can't find him under the franchise tag. If he doesn't sign the tender, it's the Le'Veon Bell situation. Well, see, there you go. I don't know. It's just, it's weird to me. It, It really is. I don't see a whole lot of value right now in the wide receiver room because we've already seen what Drew Locke can do, even with talented wide receivers. I mean, the fact that you basically flip situations, two valuable commodities in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett become about as valuable as what Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy were coming into right before that trade happened. You're basically just flipping two guys with about the same level of potential for the other two guys. I would say that's 110% correct. <laughs> you know, All that's right. the power of the quarterback. So let's move to a different quarterback situation. We had one of the oddly hot free agent quarterbacks. I know that was not like a thing this offseason. It rarely is because quarterbacks don't often move teams. But the guy who was the backup quarterback to Josh Allen somehow became the number one free agent quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky, he signs with the Steelers. They were already going to have a three-person quarterback committee, and it seems like the Steelers have let it float that they're really looking at a first-round quarterback, and most people think it's going to be Malik Willis out of Liberty. But they, unfortunately, this last weekend, and I can't get by without at least mentioning this, lost Dwayne Haskins, the former Ohio State standout, and I think still the all-time Big Ten single-season passing yards leader uh, was hit by a car over the weekend and unfortunately passed away. We'll talk about the Steelers here in a, in a second, but, I mean, 
gosh, the outpouring of grief from that Steelers team, he clearly had made an impact on that team. Yeah, it's, it's about people, you know, it's about building relationships. And that's exactly the type of person that he was and that you keep hearing about. You know, we don't know him as the player. We just know him as the guy that just beat up on the Badgers all the time. I'm not a Badger fan, but just watching him at Ohio State, like he was a Heisman finalist. Like he did things correctly all the time. But the thing that always did stand out is people tell me is just a smile. Because you think back at him and everything he did, he was always smiling. But yeah, it's sad. It sucks. But I'm glad he took advantage of his time while he was here. All right, so let's turn the page just briefly then to the football side of things, trying to at least do what we can. You have Mitchell Trubisky, you have Mason Rudolph in this quarterback room yet, and you may have a rookie quarterback thrown in. Does that really change what your feeling is on Chase Claypool, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, or for that matter, Deontay Johnson going into next year. I might argue that Ben Roethlisberger was essentially a shell of himself and equivalent to what these guys would bring to an offense anyway. I don't know how it changes all that much from what you had to what you're going to have. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Like It can't get that much worse than what Ben Roethlisberger was last year for fantasy relevance for down the field plays for, for yards, for touchdowns, like it can't get too much worse. So you, <laughs> the fortunate thing is you now know what the floor is. Um, so it can really only go up from there for everybody else. I mean, wouldn't it just be great as a Packers fan to watch Mitchell Trubisky, possibly the, the worst mistake the bears have ever made end up being good on another team. Oh, I want to see him win the AFC now. I, I can't root against the guy. No. Then I can torture Bears fans twice. Not only <laughs> did you trade up to get him, and then you picked him over both Deshaun Watson, which now in hindsight isn't as bad, and Patrick Mahomes. But now you let him go, and he ends up being better on another team. I mean, it just shows some level of dysfunction. But I don't know. I, I really am curious to see what the Steelers offense looks like going forward. And the problem with so many starters not playing in preseason anymore is we're not going to have any idea until game one. Yeah. Um, it'll be <laughs> uh, the one person that I think that can survive and still be super is Deontay Johnson, just because I think he can turn a lot into or a little into a lot, just by his sheer route running and everything like that. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky wasn't terrible. You know what I mean? But he was somebody that can move the ball down the field. He took chances, has a pretty decent arm, and is mobile enough, too, that that gives defenses like something else to have to think about. With Ben Roethlisberger, it was just like, all right, he's going to be within this like three-foot box, and he's not going to go anywhere. So you can kind of simplify defenses that way. But, so I think it will be something different. And Deontay Johnson, I do think, is some person that can still survive, even if Trubisky does have – um, a terrible bears like Trubisky outing. I will give him a couple of feathers in his cap. One, he at least made the playoffs twice with the bears, which I don't think we can say about too many bears quarterbacks over the last 30 some years. He at least got to the playoffs twice. Even if one of those was the double doink. <laughs> he also, the minute he left, it seemed like Allen Robinson's soul left his body. So 
he can't be all terrible. Yeah, Allen Robinson. That'll be a fun person to talk about here in a little bit. Yeah, if we get to it on this episode, yeah. <laughs> we ain't getting there. <laughs> yeah, we've still got like six quarterbacks to go. All right, Carson Wentz. I understand why the Colts traded him. I can't figure out for the life of me why the Washington commies decided to take him on. I, what's crazy to me is, I don't know, I feel like he was disrespected a little bit. Obviously, you know, he's, he's the fall guy, right? But there was a lot more that went wrong in that game even because um, if that's what you want to point it to, then just Carson Wentz. Um, that being said, who, what else are you going to do as, as a commies, as a commies organization, right? <laughs> well, I think the biggest thing was, is that he was a toxic locker room guy. Like the effort just didn't seem to be there. He wasn't a leader. And I won't argue with the people that say he's the most talented guy at quarterback that the Washington team has had since the first year of Robert Griffin, the third, but even so how much more dysfunction can you get in that Washington locker room right now than everything else that's going on? I mean, it's not surprising, right? Like from top to bottom, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I I don't know what else you were going to do as a type of, or you got to do something. Heineke wasn't, can't be your quarterback forever. I think I have a new phrase for what Washington is. It's the wasteland of bad attitudes. I think that could work. <laughs> well, it's better than the Washington racial slurs, so let's move on. Similarly, the Colts had to do something at quarterback because they were definitely not going to work with, I don't know, Jacoby Brissett as their starter. They're not doing that again. So they traded for Matt Ryan. Now, are we getting Matt Ryan circa 2017? Or are we getting Matt Ryan closer to what he was last year? Is it a matter of offensive scheme and playmakers? Or I guess basically what I'm asking is, does he have something left in the tank that would at least raise the prospect of this Colts offense from being more than just the Jonathan Taylor show? I I said it a million times last year that the Falcons were trash. And for them to be as successful as they were last year, I think just goes to show you how good of a quarterback Matt Ryan still is. Always under pressure. He probably had one of the worst offensive lines in all of football last year. With I would put him right up there with Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Or the Jets. That line was Wilson. terrible. Yeah. And it's hard to ask somebody to do, especially as much as the quarterback does do in today's game. It's hard to ask somebody to do that when you don't have time to even do anything. So we know that the Colts have a very good offensive line, right? If healthy. Yes. They yeah, have arguably one of that's the best, the issue. That's best the offensive issue. lines. They had a lot of health issues last year. But I, I do think that – I don't think we're going to get MVP caliber Matt Ryan again, but I do think we're going to get something better than we got last year. I don't think Matt Ryan really should have even probably won the one MVP that he did. I mean, I can't really argue against it because he was – the stat pattern in that particular year. And he had Kyle Shanahan's offense. They got to a Super Bowl. probably should have won it. I won't really pour more dirt on top of the Falcons grave right now, but you come in and bring him in to be a floor raiser. Like he's never going to raise your ceiling on what your hopes are for a championship in that city, but you have a ready-made roster. I mean, we told everybody the last two years, that the Colts could be a dangerous team if they just got even a decent level of play from their quarterback position. They have several talented guys on that roster. 
So you'd think that bringing in a guy that at least raises the floor gives playmakers like Michael Pittman Jr. or Jonathan Taylor or whomever else they end up still having on that team, because I think T.Y. Hilton finally retired and Jack Doyle retired. I know that for certain. They, they don't have everybody that they wanted, but if they end up going and getting another wide receiver or a tight end in this draft and pairing that around a Matt Ryan to go with arguably the guy who could have been MVP last year, or at least was in the top three for the running, you might have a very productive offense behind Jonathan Taylor, not just allowing him to basically be 80% of your offense. All right, I think that's enough on the Colts. So there's been no Jimmy G movement yet. Do you think he's going to get moved somewhere, or is he possibly still the San Francisco starter week one? I don't think he's going to start. I think it is Trey Lance's team. I do not think he's going to start even if he's on the team, but I also think he's still going to be on the team. There's not a lot of jobs that are open right now for quarterbacks. Like the NFL You're not trading him to good, Seattle in the division. Right? And the NFL is in a very good position right now with, with the quarterback position. There's, there's plenty of very good quarterbacks around the league right now. Well, and even I, if there aren't, you have teams that are willing to take a chance on one year on of another guy. Time. Right. You know, Tua Correct. with the Dolphins is a great example of this, where they've set themselves up. If he's not the guy, they'll be able to draft the next guy next year. Right. And it's a nice looking quarterback class this next year. So. I, I I think he I think he's on the 49ers at the on week one this next year. Like as far as quarterback jobs that would be open right now that you could arguably trade him for, I mean you're looking at bottom feeding teams that I just don't think they want to take him on. And he said he wants to go to a contender. How many contenders are there out there right now that need a quarterback to at least come in and raise the floor for them? The Colts would have been the perfect situation, but they went out and got their guy. So you've got Atlanta, which we're going to discuss here in a little bit. You've got Houston. You've got maybe Detroit. But none of those are winning situations. Yeah, he's – and they're not going to trade for a quarterback either. They're just going to – because they're also not a quarterback away. You know, you said that. They're not a quarterback away. So I don't think they're going to trade for a quarterback just to trade for a quarterback when I'm sure what San Francisco is asking for a starting caliber quarterback in this league is something that they're not willing to give up. I'm going to make an odd prediction right now. I think he's the week one starter. Why do you think that? As raw as everybody said Trey Lance was coming in, that the most pro-ready guy was Mac Jones. I think having him on the bench for a second year, and I know you traded all those picks to go up and get him, and that he was going to be this exciting guy. And we've been basically waiting for this, but think of who the true title contenders in the NFC are right now. And if you're saying that San Francisco was in the championship game last year, and if they're healthy for most of the year that you could at least pencil them into a situation where there may be the division winner, or at least competing with the Rams for the top of the division and a true title contender with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback are you saying that their floor is going to be significantly raised by having Trey Lance there? Trey Lance is the ceiling guy. But if you don't think he can come in and help you win a championship immediately, and especially because you don't have a good trade partner, why not keep Garoppolo and basically keep your floor high until you think Trey Lance is ready to be not only the ceiling guy, but the floor guy? I, mean, I, I get it, I guess. I don't know. It's just really hard for me to believe that you shop a guy all offseason long 
basically telling the dude that you drafted, like, all right, we're handing the keys to the car just for it not to work out and then bring the guy back and then tell the rookie like, Hey, yeah, sorry. So um, we still don't believe in you quite yet. Well, try and name for me the team that is a quarterback away. I don't think there really is. Exactly. It doesn't mean he's got to be a, I don't know. He doesn't mean he's got to be the starter. So he goes and is the backup for a rookie quarterback somewhere. I don't see him accepting that position. No, I think he stays on the 49ers, and I think he ends up backing up the dude that was drafted to replace him anyway. Boy, that's a tough pill to swallow. I think that's even worse than if... uh, What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Not go anywhere then and just sit at home and then probably just end your NFL career? Because that's essentially what you're doing then if you don't agree to that. Well, I understand. I think if he's still on the team... He's got to accept whatever the decision is. I just don't think the 49ers are necessarily going to be so ready to move on that he isn't at least in the competition for being the week one starter. If he wins the job, great. But I don't think he gets handed the job just because he's come, just because they couldn't trade him. He's got I'm to not saying he's going to be handed the job back. I'm saying that from a team building perspective, it's a much easier decision to pull back the reins and say, okay, Trey is not ready yet. Then throw Trey out there for five weeks, let him get eaten by the wolves and then go back to Garoppolo. Especially when you are a Super Bowl caliber level team. I don't know. Mark, write this one down. I want, I want us to revisit this one come week one. That's fine. A lot of, no, I'm not even saying because a lot of those things I say, I don't remember as soon as we sign off here. So like, this is one I actually want to remember. Okay. For listeners of the show, Ben, Ed, and Derek, (laughs) please hold me to this one. Okay. All right. Jameis Winston is back to the saints. I thought he actually didn't do too poorly for what he played as until he got the ACL injury last year. And if you're telling me that the saints are going to be able to have a healthy Michael Thomas back for once, are we maybe writing off the Saints too soon? I mean, I guess you could say that. Jameis Winston is a good fucking quarterback. He's got like, talent. He, let's not forget, you know, he threw a crap ton of touchdowns um, the year he lost his job. He lost his job, though, because he, he threw 30 interceptions. You know, you got the only 30-30 quarterback. Not, <laughs> but let's not forget, like, he is a very, very good quarterback. And I think for him, it's just going to be health. Like, how does he come back from that terrible injury that he suffered? Yeah, especially if Taysom Hill is truly going to be a tight end. Is that the talk? That's the designation. They've designated him as a tight end now that Sean Payton is no longer there or the play caller. I don't even know who's leading this offense at the moment, to be honest. Like, I think there are a lot of things to play out with the Saints yet before I have any confidence drafting any of them. And that includes Alvin Kamara right now. Yeah, I mean, it's the unknown, right? Well, of course. And again, this goes back to if you cannot see it in the preseason, how are you supposed to make any judgments at all? We at least used to get a preview to allow ourselves some space to make some draft decisions. Now, all what am I going to do with that extra 68 hours I don't spend watching preseason games? <laughs> More podcasts. I guess. Let's stay in the same division. The Falcons had to replace Matt Ryan, so they get another Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, the guy who was actually selected after Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Does this change anything at all for the Falcons? No, 
No. Now, now they have a quarterback that can run away from all the people that they let through. <laughs> I mean, they've still got Cordero Patterson. Great. Do you really think he's going to do what he did last year? No, I he's think a, it's exactly. incredibly likely that they draft yeah. a running back anyway. See, see, okay, we're agreeing a lot tonight. <laughs> That's happened more and more as the show has gone on. You, you've become <laughs> enamored with my charms. Shut up. (laughs) You know it's true. All right, final one here. Tyrod Taylor to the Giants. Uh, As much as we've discussed that Tyrod Taylor has basically been brought in as the journeyman backup who's got some talent and can actually play, but he gives way to great caliber quarterbacks like Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Davis Mills. Is he being brought in to basically lead Daniel Jones back to the land of the living? I what was that that movie with Dane Cook so long ago? Like Good Luck Chuck <laughs> or something like that. Oh yes, remember? excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say that's employee of the month, but no, yeah, it's Good Luck that's Chuck. What, that's what they're trying with Tyrod Taylor. I think they're trying anything they can. I think that's what they're going for. No, he's obviously coming in because um, the coach is from Buffalo, right? So he yes, saw a little Brian bit of Tyrod. Dable. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, they still have a lot of faith in Daniel Jones, but yeah, Tyrod Taylor is one of those guys that's just one terrible luck, right? You know, for Justin Herbert to get the the starting job, he did nothing on his own merit to lose the job, but get punctured by the team doctor in the lung. Like, like how do you not have luck. a huge lawsuit about that? Because <laughs> he's too nice of a dude. This is exactly the type of type of person that you want in your locker room at the quarterback position. Like personally, I think Tyrod want. Taylor should be giving the Hall of Fame speeches for both Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. <laughs> I'm like, the dude who got his lung punctured so you could come in. <laughs> like he's very good, but I I'm not going to expect anything from him fantasy-wise until I know he's starting. And I don't think he does. Like the only reason he starts is if Daniel Jones has just a terrible terrible year. Yeah, I would imagine, or for that matter, if Daniel Jones gets hurt again, I mean, that's likely to happen. He's going to miss at least two games with, I don't know, pulling a hamstring on the five-yard line, (sighs) running in for a touchdown again. All right, we got five minutes left in the show. We've discussed the quarterbacks. I don't really want to move on to the other positions quite yet, so we'll have a part two to this episode at a later date. I'm going to reserve these last five minutes. We're going to do some severance talk. (laughs) so if you are not familiar with the show it is on apple tv plus we both love the show if you've not watched it yet i'm not sure what you're doing with your life it's apparently a waste and if you haven't seen the finale yet this is your spoiler warning right now okay everybody that's still here you're good all right good so the finale of severance One of the best hours of television I've seen since probably season one of Westworld. Yeah, Westworld. Season one. Yeah, that was a good that was a good season of TV. Yeah, dude. I don't even know. Like it's a lot to unpack, right? Oh, there's Um, so much there, and there's so many YouTube videos going down the rabbit hole right now. See, I don't see I don't do that. I've only done that. No, I've only done that with Westworld just because Westworld is so tough to understand yeah but for me i watch tv shows the complete opposite way that you do and almost everyone else does i'm not trying to figure stuff out 
Oh, I'm not I either. I let the show explain for stuff why. for me, but I went down a rabbit hole with at least like even, one video. But even your even your little thing where you told me like I think um, she's on the board. Like I was like, oh fuck, you know that makes perfect sense. It really does. And I'm like, but you bastard! Like I didn't want to know that. Like I didn't. All right, I, I won't, think it was a spoiler. I won't do that no. to you again. And it's it's not like, but just for me, like I I don't know. It's weird because I don't watch shows like that. I don't watch shows like I wonder what I just go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Severance, it was so it's so weird because one, I started watching it with my wife and then she was like, this is just way too much. So like then I was able to watch it by myself and like I finished it very, very quickly after that. But it's the finale first and foremost, like it was it took a little bit for me too to figure it out because they don't know anything that's going on with their Audi. Right. So like, you don't know. So when he didn't know his sister, it was like, Oh, Oh yeah. And then when he called his boss by his boss's name, like he just thought like, Oh, she is probably somebody that I'm supposed to know here too. Like on the outside for some weird ass reason. Or Irving Um, not knowing how to drive in order to go. Yeah. That yes. That like, you don't know how to drive. Like, that was that was super interesting to me and also something I didn't I didn't think about. Well, and then, coming back around to certain points in time, I mean, some of the stuff that really haunts you and lets it set in. You remember when they were talking to I guess what her name is now is Gemma. I can't remember uh, what the wellness doctor's real name is, but the woman that's essentially his wife that we find out at the end of the episode. Yeah. Okay. And she says, I've only been alive for like 107 hours. And the most consecutively was when I was watching Heli. I mean, how much stuff do we not know yet? The world is so potentially expansive for this. We've only gotten like the small peek behind the curtain. And there are so many possibilities for this show. It's just bursting with potential. And that's why I was just like, fuck yeah, at the end of the episode. Like you get that final moment where there's like, oh, there's this much going on. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm so excited. Why do I have to wait for a season two? Why can't this oh. be a network show? But yeah, for sure. And then she like had to, what's the wellness lady, you know, go down mm-hmm. the long hallway, probably to like go charge or something like that. But then she asked something. Sorry, I forget his name, Adam Scott's character. But then she asked him oh, during uh, the wellness check, remember? Where Mark she's like, S. Why do you Mark Scott? Yeah, she's like, Why do you why do you care about what happens to me or something like that? Like you know, and there was an a subtle clue where I thought about it when she said that. Then I'm like, hmm, does she have some connection to him on the outside that we haven't seen yet? But I so never put those really pieces died. together. So she probably really died. And then when he signed up to be severanced, he like probably offered her body up. There are some people that have theorized she's in a coma, but the severance allows her to be alive, but it's only at Lumen. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that, but yeah, it's there. There are so many things going on yet with everything that you have. And then Heli being an Egan and possibly one of the weirdest love triangles I've ever seen in television history. What? Heli is clearly in love with Mark. And Mark is on the outside is in love with his wife, who is only available on the inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Explain to me that one. 
but it's, I it's unfortunately think we're going to have to wait for probably a good year because the production value, even though it seems simplistic on this show is probably ex- incredibly expansive, but gosh, I, I tell you, I started watching, we worked or excuse me, we crashed. I've watched a couple of other things on Apple and with the exception of the morning show, they have a pretty damn good batting average. I mean, this show and throw in the best picture winner this year, Apple's hitting it out of the park lately. You don't, you didn't like the morning show. I've watched two seasons of the morning show and it gets worse with each episode. Like the okay. first season, I thought it was I stopped. good. I stopped. Like I, and I think my wife liked it, but there was just something I was just like, eh, I'm, I'm okay. I don't even think I made it through the first season. Like there's a part at the end of the first season that I thought was interesting, but by the time they come back for season two, they basically scrap everything that was interesting about the show. And it's so inconsistent and every character is so unlikable, which given that you have Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, who are supposed to be two of the most charismatic, likable actresses we've had over the last 20 years. And one of which happened to be like a secret crush of mine forever. And you made me not like either of them. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm out. <laughs> and then we got Ted Lasso coming back. So there's that. There you go. All right. If you've suffered through the rest of our severance talk, you are now relieved. We will be back for the part two, which will discuss all the other positions that are not quarterback. And uh, we'll take you through that as we continue our off-season coverage. It's going to be a little bit more sparse with our busy lives and the fact that we're not really getting paid to do this, at least not yet. So we'll be back again soon. Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We do appreciate you. We will be discussing any other remaining off-season items we couldn't get to today, but until then. Until then, enjoy your off-season, everyone. Yeah, take a break, relax, watch some other sports, try some different things. I mean, there's golf, there's soccer, hockey, basketball, I guess. Try some stuff out. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan and is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.